Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, did you know the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford? Holy shit. Yeah, I didn't know. It was on Twitter this morning, and I went, wow, how did I miss that? I mean, do you ever think about how much time feels like has passed since January? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that was like that was like six months ago, right? I I swear it was that uh, that we heard that this trade was was actually happening, and then it got delayed even further. Like I guess they didn't actually make it official, official, official until this morning. Uh, well, when- they had to find him a good pen to sign the. It's always important. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he had to get he had to get that uh, signature just right. Had to make that loop in the in the M and and make it all look very clean. So, um yeah, it's finally here, Jordan. Uh free agency is is here and uh obviously the Stafford trade is was one that we knew about. We're going to talk about a lot of other moves. Uh some guys leaving the Rams and uh some guys staying and and a couple who are still kind of in limbo here, but but what about this uh, the Stafford trade, Jordan? Now that it's real, now that he's actually on the Rams website wearing a number nine jersey, we should probably talk about that too. I mean, that's a that's big news. Uh, but uh, where where do we start with this? What's the what's the relevant point as we as we sit here recording on uh, on Thursday, March eighteenth? Yeah. So as of this morning, the trade the so the trade became official by the league um, when the new league year started. They had agreed to terms prior to the new league year beginning, um, had a little, uh, had a little tampering going on. (laughs) Oh no, never. (laughs) Nobody does it. So, um, so, but they, you know, they, they obviously couldn't talk about it because of league rules, which are, um, Les Snead was really great talking about how archaic those are, uh, when he spoke before free agency opened, but, um, yeah, they couldn't talk about it. Now they can publicly acknowledge the trade. Um, they they had a really nice thank you video for Jared Goff, who obviously is the other piece um, aside from those picks in the trade, and now he is the D- the Detroit Lions quarterback. Um, and so they had agreed that um, Thursday would be the sort of official official team, you know, pen to paper signing the signing the deal. There's an onboarding process that includes a lot of behind the scenes like media content and the Rams are starting to roll that out. Um, some of the, some really great stuff that they're starting to roll out right now um, on Twitter and also the physical process. Um, there's, there's the, there, there was a, a factor in it as well where Jared Goff had written into a previous contract that he, an extra like two and a half, I think million that was written into his contract that he would get um, on the second day of the league year, which is, obviously Thursday. So um, that was kind of another little way that they sweetened the deal for the Detroit Lions to accept that contract and to to, to bring on um, Jared Goff as they, the Rams pay that. So, you know, 
this contract and and Stafford himself sets up obviously a lot of other things that the Rams will be doing as the second and third waves of of free agency commence. And, you know, very quiet in the first wave, and we're going to get to that. But first and foremost, um, there's a situation with his contract, which, so, Rich, let's go back, let's go back all the way to January. And and we're looking at this, and you're looking at over the cap, and you're like, well, how – how are they going to maybe navigate this two-year, about $20, 25000000 million contract that he has, right? I mean, can you think – can you remember back that far? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, – what was I doing in January? I don't even remember. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, there, we, we knew at the time, right? We knew at the time that they had some options here when you, mm-hmm. when you talk about Matthew Stafford's contract. And the thing that people – I guess we have to start with is – uh, Jared Goff is is still going to be in some way a very big part of the Los Angeles Rams because they are going to be retaining uh, over twenty four million dollars in in dead money uh, with with Jared Goff. So that that's a big chunk. Um, and then obviously you're bringing in Matthew Stafford's deal, which uh, for twenty twenty one came with a uh, a preset or you know c- carryover cap number of $20 million. But Jordan, you were reporting early on uh, from the earliest days of, of these trades that uh, the Rams had some options there. And, and where do mm-hmm. they stand with that? Because we haven't, they've been quiet about that to date. Um, they haven't exercised maybe what they thought we, th- we thought they might do, but, but they're still kind of holding that card, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a safety valve with the with Stafford's contract specifically. So there are two options here. Now, now we have to recognize one thing first, and it kind of becomes the baseline for everything else that they do, and that is all of the moves which we're going to cover, whether it's departures, whether it's restructures, um, in in one case a trade. All of the moves that they did were to get under enough. They could not touch Matthew Stafford's deal until it became officially on their books, right? And that happens. Uh, it, it it will go on the wires like at four p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, right? So so or or maybe even later if it takes them a little while to onboard. There's no rush in this right now because the Rams did everything because they knew they could not um, touch that that contract right away. And because, and we'll get to this, because this there's a safety valve option in it, should they need it, you don't want to necessarily use that too early so then you don't have it anymore. Or you do something that you, you regret later down the road. So they got under fully, under the cap, um, plus opened up a little for that two and a half million that they had to pay Jared, plus um, were able to re-sign Johnny Munt, the tight end, um, to a vet minimum deal um, once the league year started. So they, they got under by making all those other moves. That was to get under so you can also carry Stafford's full contract, right? Does that right. make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so here, so the two options that are the safety valves, let's say that they um, they can't retain Austin Blythe as their center. Um, and, and right now they're waiting for his market to cycle back around as of it's eleven nineteen on Thursday morning, so this could change. Right. Um, as of now, they're waiting for Austin Blythe center market to cycle back around because there's a lot of centers and, and interior offensive linemen that are on you know out there right now, and so they're waiting to see what the market looks like and hope that it becomes cheaper than maybe they had initially expected. They're kind of playing chicken with the market right now when it comes to their center, right. which they absolutely need to do. Is is either the, the the three ways this could shake out is they re-sign Austin Blythe 
Um, and then in that case, you can still draft a center, if especially if you're doing maybe a shorter deal that's um, maybe two years, three years, but it's it's got an it's got some options in it and it's not front loaded. And then you could still maybe draft a, a guy to develop there. Um, you or you can't get Blythe. You go out and you get a sort of stopgap veteran guy for a year. And then you have to probably draft a center still. You need some, you, you have some, a little bit of depth in Brian Allen, but his injury status and recovery is still a little bit of an unknown. So you still maybe need some depth there. Um, or, and the worst case scenario is to have your hands tied when you enter the draft, because then you have to do a bunch of game theory and, and you know, smoke screening and all of this stuff that they don't really like to do. So right. um, it shows your hand if you cannot retain someone at the center position, because then you would in free agency, because then you would absolutely have to draft. And yeah. you're at a pick point where it's not, the odds are not in your favor of someone just falling to you, hmm. right? So that's the worst case. That's the worst case scenario. So if they want to do the top two scenarios, which are try to retain Blythe or an, or another center um, on, who's on the market, <clears throat> you have options now where there are two major ones and and we'll do it in order of less likely to more likely so less likely would be right now would be the extension for Stafford's contract, which is still something that my understanding is that the Rams are interested in doing, depending mm-hmm. on you know how the first part of this year goes, is tacking on an extra year to that deal. Right. Um, one thing that might factor into that is, is Stafford himself, because it, very clearly Detroit, when they released their, their video for him yesterday, that was so beautiful and so well done. Yeah. Um, and nine minutes, which I thought was a nice touch. It was exactly nine minutes long. Hmm. Um, and they said it's not goodbye. So that means that they're probably going to try to bring him back to retire as a Detroit Lion at right. some point. Right. So it just really depends on how he's feeling and, and what his long-term plans are. Um, so that's where the extension kind of comes into play. Um, the, the one that's really easy, like super easy, and, and the number one um, like safety valve for the Rams is just a simple restructure. So his contract has language in it that's an automatic restructure. That's very good for the Rams because you don't have to negotiate that. It's written into the contract. Yeah. You can just do it. So they could literally dollar for dollar convert his $9.5 million base salary into a cash signing bonus. They could either pay that up front to him in cash or they could prorate it out on a regular pay schedule depending on what he wants to do and – uh, based on how California taxes are, I would probably prorate it, but that's just me doing my taxes this time of year and being very disappointed. Um, yeah, the Rams so, did this with Jared Goff. Very, very similar situation. Yes. It was written into his contract, and, and they, they did the, the exact same thing almost. Yes, and we'll get to that in a minute, too, because there are some other ones that are really important that that language is in. So, um, so like, you could free up $9.5 if you need to – really go out and make a push for for someone if you need you know there's there's draft picks they're going to be super cheap to sign so you don't need a ton there but if you really need to bring in a player and I'm not talking about a Kenny Galladay I'm not talking about a like top of the line you know first wave free agent I'm talking about your second tier third tier veteran center um, that's probably the priority at this point um, so they're trying to wait and see what needs to happen or how much they can do um, before they they use that safety valve. So I would not maybe expect that to happen right away, but it's right. something that is very much a tool that they have in their back pocket, much like 
the tools that they had in their back pocket with those other contract restructures um, that we mentioned previous, previously. Yeah, very. Wow. That, that's, that's, people don't understand how dense this stuff is, and you did a very good job of, of, of breaking it down and, and translating it into English. It's, it's, very, it's very complex, and you can stare at the numbers, and your, your, your brain starts to get foggy and fuzzy uh, when, when you do it too much. But yeah, there, there's, there's options here, and these are the kind of things that the Rams just – it's that's their wheelhouse. I mean, that's what they do this time of year is just crunch those numbers and, and try to make it all fit. And that's how you get from being so far above the salary cap uh, to, to being under it in a short period of time. So they, they, they look at all of these calculations. Um, and yeah, they, they still have some options. So that, that's a good place to be um, in, in this part of the season. But yeah, Jordan, so let's, let's, let's dig into Austin Blythe just a little bit more because uh, th- this is a little bit of what happened last year too. I looked it up, and and he signed on March 18th of of last year, exactly one year ago. I, I think the the league year actually opened on the 15th last year, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. it was a similar kind of situation where they they waited a, a few days, maybe saw what the offers were, what his market was. Of course, ended up signing him to just a one year contract that had a, a cap hit of of 3.9 million, 2.5 of which was was guaranteed. Um, Austin had a pretty good year, um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm, I'm looking right now at the the over the cap page. I, I love some of the stuff that they do on here, and it, this is obviously very very subjective. So please don't take this as anything uh, concrete. But but their their valuation of of Blythe for for 2020 was at just under 5.5 million. Um, mm-hmm. I, so yeah, again, that's, that's, I love over the cap. They, I, I'm not saying that they, that it, you should take that as the gospel or that you should dismiss it or whatever. It's just a, it's a number. It's a number that, that people who uh, analyze this stuff, uh, came up with. So uh, I don't know exactly what the Rams are, are looking at here. You know, obviously Austin signed a one-year contract last year. He's 29 years old. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure just based on human instinct that he'd probably like to have a little bit of security, probably doesn't want to keep signing one-year contracts for the rest of his uh, career, but it, you, you take what your best option is. So uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see uh, what that ends up being. I, I, I think all things being equal, he probably comes back. Uh, and, and that's exacerbated by what exactly what you just said, Jordan, is you don't want to go into the draft needing to fill a hole. You don't ever want to feel that way about any position, uh, but you definitely don't want it to be at center when when you're bringing in a new quarterback, especially. So right. tend to think with, with all of those factors involved that, that it probably gets done, uh, but we don't know, right? And, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably the big biggest question remaining, right? Yeah. And I, I do, there, there are some, some nuances where it comes to playing center that I think are maybe misrepresented or misunderstood. And, and, but before I, before I kind of go over that, like, that's such a great point too. Like he signs a one-year deal last year and it's at the time a prove it deal. Okay. Right. And that's like, okay, you sign that one-year deal and then maybe you get the extension afterward. And that that's validation of your, your work that you put in that, that previous year. But in this off season, this off season is basically, just such a a crunch in terms of everybody is signing prove it deals again even if they did last year so many players are signing them again and so many guys are getting restructured and there's other teams that are doing like void years and things like that so this is i feel for him because he would have had i think better leverage in a normal off season 
and yeah. maybe could have gotten paid more money in a normal offseason. Conversely, the Rams would have had more money to give him um, mm-hmm. in, in a normal offseason. But this is this is very much a, uh, a wait and see, like a little bit of chicken being played right now because it's it's very much a – Austin is going to see if people cycle if people cycle through the other options guys get released there are things people have to have to navigate now what they have left over and what their needs are and and he you know it, it it's not a great year for that because the Rams would be interested in signing a smaller shorter deal now they could offer him more a couple more years maybe than than other teams might be able to do um, I would think a best case scenario for both sides is something like two years, three to five million a year with the first year being a little bit backloaded. Right. Um, that's but but again, that's team friendly and maybe a realistic look at what the market's doing. Right. So that's probably lower than what Austin Blythe would be asking for because he you know, you go through that year and you feel I proved it. Now I can get a longer term deal and have some security now that I'm I'm in my late 20s. So that that's a tough thing. The other thing about drafting a rookie center, there are absolutely some guys who could come in and start at center. There are. Mm-hmm. And where you get into the complicated part of this is the Ram. There, there are even guys who would fall to the Rams pick point um, or around into the second round, deep into the second round, who could, I believe, come in and start. Okay. But, but you, it's really tough to depend on that. And, and I, the argument I hear so much is, well, Matthew Stafford's a veteran quarterback. He knows what he's seeing. He can call, he can call the offense and he, you know, he can, he can supplement sort of that inexperience on the center side. It is, that is not how it works. Like it is not as simple as that. It really is the center and the quarterback are are extensions of each other almost. Like yeah. it's basically like those cartoons like Looney Tunes used to watch where um like the coyote Wiley Coyote puts on the binoculars and the binoculars stretch out to like a like several feet <laughs> past his his eyes like they telescope out. That's what a center is in front of a quarterback. Like you yeah. you are an extension of each other. You have to have that experience of feeling somebody out. You have to have um that that pro ready work start immediately and there's little time to develop into what it means to be a league an NFL player and every coach will tell you this the closer you get to the line of scrimmage it doesn't matter how ready you are and there's some wonderful examples of of outliers um including you know the uh and now his name's escaping me the the guy Quentin Nelson in in Indy yeah. like there are there are outliers, right? And it's fair. This draft class is full of great interior offensive linemen, but the closer you get to the line of scrimmage, the tougher it is to develop and the longer it takes to develop into really what the Rams are looking for within Stafford's window. So you have to you have to look at Stafford's contract window. Right. You have to look at the windows of others and and really say to yourself, "Hey, we probably got to get a veteran in here at least in the first year because right. um we believe we can win and we don't want someone who's a relative unknown under center as the extension of that quarterback. No matter how savvy the quarterback is, you still have to have a center who operates literally as an extension of that quarterback. It's not like, oh, well, you can just ask Stafford to diagnose what he's seeing. No, it's very much a unilateral tandem situation. And there's so many things that that center has to do to set up the players next to him. Um, And it's, it's a very nuanced position. So 
that's where things I think get a little bit, little bit difficult for the Rams. Yeah, and and that's uh, given the recent history here. I mean, the Rams just went through this a couple of years ago when they decided uh, not to bring back John Sullivan, and obviously they drafted Brian Allen, used a pretty uh, valuable draft pick on him, and thought that they could slide him in, and and it just didn't work. And that's not it's not anything against Brian. It's it's a difficult position, and it's a difficult position, especially to come in and play right away. And that was a lot of the the Rams' problem that season early on is just thinking that. That, that would be kind of a seamless transition, and it didn't quite work. And what you saw when Austin Blythe moved over from guard to center is a lot of that stuff that you just mentioned, Jordan, just uh, the ability to diagnose things at the line of scrimmage. It's it's not always about your physical ability, although that certainly is important. Your your ability to block, obviously, as an offensive lineman is is important, but uh, it's also the above-the-shoulder stuff and and what you can do and and you know communicating that and, and being in, on the same page with the quarterback and, and the guys next to you and all of that. So it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, so We'll we'll see what the Rams prioritize there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But uh, Jordan, let's let's kind of set the table, okay? I mean, there's been a lot of activity here, uh, some of which we, we kind of knew was coming, some of which we thought might be coming, uh, and a couple of them that, that kind of surprised us, right? So let's talk about the guys who, or let's just at least list the, the, the people who, who have gone out in no particular mm-hmm. order. Uh, and please let me know if I missed one because I feel like I'm probably <laughs> going to here. But Lots of departures. Oh my is what goodness! He's trying yeah, to it's say. like yeah. LAX here. Yeah. So, um, oh my god, <laughs> John Johnson, John Johnson to the Cleveland Browns. I'm gonna check that one off. Samson Abicom to the San Francisco 49ers. Gerald Everett to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Morgan Fox to the Carolina Panthers. Malcolm Brown to the Miami Dolphins. Jake McQuaid to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, other than the one that I know we're going to talk about here in a second, did I, did I miss any? Uh, Derek Rivers in Houston. Okay. Yes. And then I I think you, I think you got the rest of them. Okay. So we can talk about some of those, but the other one who I didn't mention, Jordan, is Michael Brockers. Mm -hmm. And that one came down and I think caught some people off guard. Not um, if you read the athletic. Document. Yeah, they don't probably don't read your coverage on a day, but that's fine. <laughs> people are busy, you know, things happen, you know, we all have lives. Uh, but, but Jordan, you've been tracking this for a while and, and the Rams end up trading uh, uh, Michael Brockers for a conditional seventh round uh, draft pick, I guess is how they're there for our future seventh round draft pick, I guess is maybe how it's being phrased. Um, sending him to Detroit to play with Jared Goff. Um, Jordan, can you kind of break that down? Because it just just speaking from the, the average fan standpoint, a lot of people not understanding this. Michael Brocker is a big part of that defense, a big part of that locker room. It was just a couple months ago that we heard Sean McVay just speak so effusively about Michael Brockers and how much he means to the team. Um, so why why did this move need to be made, and and why did it kind of make sense from a from a financial standpoint? 
Yeah, this was the final puzzle piece um, in terms of these major restructures that they needed to have to get under the the salary cap. Um, and it was a process that had taken that this was one of those where it was a, a several week process, a negotiation process, a conversation. At one point, the Rams felt like maybe they were going to get something done around that time. Um, we have our podcast and we report that they think they can restructure without trading or cutting. Um, then Les Need comes out later that week and says um, the same thing, essentially, like, hey, we really feel good. Like, we think we can restructure. Turns out by the end of this negotiation, um, it just they could not agree to the specific terms of that restructure. Um, we will get to the restructures in a minute. If you have not read my piece that came out on Monday, which walks you through the entire restructure process and the different types of them, um, definitely go check that out because it's super relevant to everything that the Rams had to do yeah. in a variety of different ways from, um, you know, Ramsey Cup Woods, Donald to Whitworth to Brockers. Um, and, and the writing was on the wall when they could not agree to terms because um, they had made it clear and, and Michael knew that the other option is you're getting traded or cut um, because they had to, they were adamantly not going to be at his six and a half million base in 2021. They adamantly could not have that in order to get under the cap. He was a part of that piece of, so you don't have to borrow too much from other players and kick them down the road, especially if they are a part of your long-term future and specifically if they are named Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, or Robert Woods. So um, it, it's all, it was all about sort of that balance of distribution, and he was the last piece in that balance. Now, they could not sort out the terms, and they thought they were going to have to cut him. They really, they really did think that. Mm-hmm. And in that way, they would have had to incur uh, several million dollars of, of dead money, which, again, not great. They seem to not... Uh, care about their dead money, but it really does matter. <laughs> so right. um, they they just they just didn't they couldn't they couldn't incur that, and um, and so at the like at the last minute they find you know familiar face in Brad Holmes who kind of does them a favor um, and and ex- you know he gives them a, a seventh rounder in like 2023 I think it is and um, super super low return but. It also meant that they wouldn't have to incur that hit that the uh, that that cutting him would incur, and instead opened up a million and a half more in space. Now that is different than adding a million and a half to a money pile. It was actually no, you um, were you didn't have money in the first place. This kind of just helped plug the hole a little bit. Right, it wasn't right. like oh, it adds money to sign someone. No, it's adding so you, it's plugging a hole so you can actually like swan dive underneath the cap. Right. <laughs> if, if that right. makes sense. They didn't have they were borrowing against what they didn't have in the first place. So they had to get him under um the extra million and a half helped them do that a little bit better um and a little bit easier and then it also meant that they wouldn't have to deal with some of the stuff kicking some of the stuff down the line with some of those those other contracts. It's really hard cuz yeah. what an emotional leader, what a physical leader um, incredible guy. I know you've been in a lot of locker rooms with him. I yeah. really enjoyed covering him this year. He's so engaging and detailed and gave me some of my best stuff that I got this year in terms of anecdotal support for stories and um, just, just truly a joy. 
And one of the things that I think moved me every single time I was at SoFi and was able to actually cover a game in person is I would always um, wait for this moment before games where Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald would would link arms and they would kneel on the field and they would close their eyes tightly and they were so they were just clutching each other so tightly in in mm-hmm. that brotherhood and locked arms so tightly um, and and they would pray together before games and um, and they would they would it's just like that to me is is what it's all about and um, it was an important thing to see two leaders who were standing or in this case kneeling um, to make a point about systemic oppression about injustice and to do that together to have each other in that way um, is what this sport is really all about and so I just want to thank Michael Brockers for showing that um, alongside Aaron Donald and um, impacting me so profoundly every single Sunday when I was able to see that Um, and and it just didn't it never that feeling never got old it was powerful and impactful every single time. Yeah, well said, Jordan. And um, it's I'm, I'm not breaking any ground here by saying this, but I mean, the word culture, I don't think can be underestimated. And and there's, it's hard to put a value on that when we talk about these things and salary cap figures and base salaries and, and production and analytics or whatever you want to throw out there. I mean, there, there's ways to quantify a lot of things, but there's not a lot of ways to to put a number on on that kind of thing that you just said, uh, Jordan, and goes beyond the, the things that we don't even see on the field or see in the locker room, and and being a presence there and being a leader uh, and and having gone through a lot. I mean, this is a guy who only one of four guys who was left who who had made the trip from St. Louis in in 2016, along with. Uh, Obviously, Aaron Donald and and Johnny Hecker and Rob Havenstein. I mean, those are the only three who are left there. So this is a guy who has seen kind of uh, everything, <laughs> everything over that this team has mm-hmm. gone through over the last five years, and it has been a rock uh, on and off the field. So not not going to be easy to replace. And I, I'm I'm absolutely certain the Rams don't don't make that move lightly because they they understand that Sean McVay, Les Snead. Uh, they they all understand everything that, that we're just saying here. So it's, it's not a move that, that's made lightly. But yeah. yeah, Jordan, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, and, and I, I think even though you just said this, I want to make sure people people get it clear. Uh, the, the idea of these restructures, we, we talk a lot about them. And even I've said on Twitter a lot, like, you know, a restructure isn't a pay cut. And that, that probably should be clarified, a basic restructure, the, the most common type of restructure that you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the vast majority of them, I would even go as far to say, are not pay cuts. They they are moving money around in various mm-hmm. ways and and translating them in, into different forms or whatever. Uh, but I, I think you you've already made the distinction and you laid it out perfectly in that story that you said that you wrote. But uh, I, I think it's worth noting that th- this was not the case with with Michael Brockers. It was not right. a matter of just moving money from one year to another or converting a base salary into a bonus to make it look a little bit more palatable. Uh, th- they were actually talking about, you know, moving some some money, some salary, some uh, a reduction there. So, hey, that's, you know, they have the right to talk about that. Uh, Michael Brockers absolutely has the right to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I signed my contract. I want to get paid what I agreed to get paid. Uh, don't blame him for that in the in the least. But yeah, Jordan, I, I don't think there's 
there's any acrimony here. It, it sounds like both no. sides pretty much understood what it was going to be going in. And, and if they weren't able to make that agreement or, or change or what have you, then something was going to have to happen. Yeah, two two tidbits on this that like I just want to continue to clarify is is like you also can't really compare this situation to the other restructures because again and that you know please go back and read that story I have it pinned to the top of my Twitter profile and I think it provides some context about what happened and um it like you can't compare it to some of the other restructures because those were automatic like you you don't have to ask the player Right. You just it's built in when you create the extension alongside the agent. You just let the agent know that it's happening and then it converts to cash dollar for dollar. And you don't have to do all of it. You could do some of it, which my understanding is they did some, not all of those contracts, um, because they didn't want to overborrow um and then and then have to deal with sort of the implications of that. So they they were doing enough to get under and Michael Brocker's a which his restructure was different. That's one where you have to ask and you have to negotiate permission right. and you have to go through all of that. And it and it really did hinge on that. It hinged on um, the rest of them getting under. It hinged on can we can we get this done or, or can we not? And they they thought for a long time that they were going to be able to get it done. And it's OK that that they couldn't get it done. It's OK that Michael Brockers didn't want it to get done, but it shouldn't be compared to um, something that's automatically out of the player's control. So it's not like, oh, everyone else took restructures. Why didn't Michael? Right. No, no. He, they didn't have a choice either. They didn't have a choice. Right. He had a choice. That's that's. It's a completely different situation. It's not like he's a like not as good of a teammate or whatever. And and like I dare you to say that to anyone <laughs> in the building <laughs> right. because it's it's not that's not the case. It's they did not have a choice because it was built in language to the extensions that the Rams applied in house. Yeah. And and Michaels was was not. So yeah. that's where the that's where the difference. And then there was also, you know, maybe they wanted different terms on the years and things like that. So there's there's also different there's just different things. And then the other thing that um you know, I I don't want to get too off the rails here, but one thing that I I think about and um hopefully Rams fans will forgive me my like sort of corniness sometimes or my earnestness in thinking about people who are involved in these situations, but I really wish I could have been a fly on the wall when um, just to see from a sociological perspective and a human perspective, Michael Brockers was Les Snead's first draft pick. Yeah. And Les does not negotiate contracts. Um, Tony Pastors negotiates contracts and he's got a great team, in, including Cassandra Garcia, who has been negotiating some of the contracts this year as well. Um, they, they do the money, but Les makes the phone call. So that's the phone call that he had to make. And I don't think that was easy for him. No. And I mean, they just went through this last year, too, because, I mean, obviously, Michael Brockers, you know, he did, I guess he technically agreed to terms with the Baltimore Ravens. And we kind of, we went, we just went through this a year ago where it was kind of like, oh, Michael Brockers is gone. And I remember you talk about how, you know, time passes. I, I remember Aaron Donald tweeting, like, I don't, I don't remember which emoji it was. But it wasn't one of the happy ones. It, <laughs> it was it was one of the red ones, as as I recall, uh, the the day that that Michael Brockers we thought he was going to sign with with Baltimore, and then obviously things fell through a little bit, uh, and I you know related to his physical, I guess, and then the Rams were able to bring him back. So I remember at the time it was it was kind of emotional for for the Rams, like wow, you know this guy has been such a big part of our 
of our past and, and still of the present. And, and then it looked like he was moving on. And then just about a month later, I think three weeks later, he was back. <laughs> so that's probably not going to happen this time. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't imagine what that was like to, to, to go through again. And yeah, just uh, you talk one of those foundational pieces uh, that, that Les Need brought in. And obviously somebody who's had an enormous uh, a hand in, in their success over, over the last few years. So yeah. Yeah. And you know how we talk about like little little details and little kind of clues and tidbits. So obviously we had one earlier when the Rams uh, tweeted out a tease video and Matthew Stafford's wearing number nine. So that's how you could tell he's going to be wearing number nine and all of this stuff. And right. then the, the Detroit Lions thank you video was exactly nine minutes long. And that's a cool detail. One that just sent me, like just absolutely sent me. So this is a front office in Detroit that's like knows the Rams backwards and forwards because Brad Holmes is running the show over there yeah. and Ray Agnew's in there as well. Um, when they tweeted out the, tra- <laughs> I can't even get through this. Abba. When they tweeted out the, uh, the trade agreement, um, Chris Burke, our Detroit Lions guy, he, he slacked me and was like, is that, is that like a normal way to make an announcement? And I was like, oh my God, because the way that they did it was they, they announced the, the, the trade they acknowledged the trade and uh-huh. it was after the you know they they were able to do it they they could um they couldn't this was after the league year so it was able they were able to do it um and they put in parentheses pending physical <laughs> 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 like how great is that? i just that was that sent me i was laughing so hard i like because this is exactly how michael rockers got back to the rams was <laughs> was the physical and brad holmes oh, of yeah. course knows that of course so Oh, that's that that one sent me. Yeah, no, he's, 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 he went through that, so he knows uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's well. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I guess it could Jared Goff's thumb. I don't know. Maybe they have to take a look at it and see what's what's going on there, and, and then we'll. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get a we'll get a text or a, a tweet in a couple hours, and we'll have to re-record this entire podcast for like the uh, the third time in in this calendar year or something like that. But but yeah, I, I don't think so. That's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, Jordan. So th- there's still a couple. You know, we we talked about um, Austin Blythe, uh, Troy Hill. I believe is still out there. Um, so can, yeah, he's, he's going to be one where it seems like they're playing a little chicken there too, yeah. similarly to Blythe. Um, I, I wrote a piece earlier this week. They have to have, they have to add in the draft if they can't, if they can't retain Troy, yeah. who again, might've priced himself out. It's the same thing with, um, Morgan Fox, who, yes. who priced himself out and John Johnson, who priced himself out like Morgan Fox. It's a case of, of depth versus, and also pricing out because depth they have Sebastian Joseph Day they've got Ashawn Robinson they really like Les Snead like name dropped their four practice squad guys who are really intriguing um and who they are hoping a couple of them sort of jostle for a roster spot this this offseason and this summer and and John Johnson it was a case of the Rams don't invest in their set in their safety position and they have tons of depth um and guys who can really step in although that also is a tough loss but one that we had sort of tried to prepare the Rams fan base for since yeah. uh, Jordan Fuller was drafted, essentially, um, and Terrell Burgess was drafted, essentially. So um, those are tough ones. And and for me, the t- one of the tougher ones schematically is a Morgan Fox because yeah. I think I think that's a hell of a signing for Carolina. I mean, I covered the Panthers for four years, and um, I see him being very successful there 
in the, in that they might model it a little bit after what the Rams were doing here of a Derek Brown acquiring double teams because he had such a great season in terms of pressures last year um, as a rookie. He had just a really outstanding season with in terms of, of the pressure he was getting up the interior. So, of course, you're going to now double. So then that frees up a Morgan Fox. It frees up they they got Hassan Reddick over there as well. Like it, it frees up guys like that. And that's sort of the model that you want, obviously, when you have a, a more attention grabbing piece uh, in, in the middle of your defensive line. Morgan Fox is is um, he's he's hitting into his sort of apex. He's he's on that uphill streak. And you can you can really see that you see that with him and John Johnson both. This is not a case. This is if they had more money, if this wasn't the year that it was, I think they retain Morgan Fox. And I think they yeah. they try to try to make sure that they do that around probably that price because you the Rams don't like to play other or excuse me. They don't like to pay other teams players. They don't like to unless it's at a high investment, high potential position um, with a player who has that very, very high projection model. Um, such as a Leonard Floyd, they don't like to pay other teams' players. They they would much rather develop, and they need to develop. Well, Morgan Fox is one of those where in two years you're going to be like, ah, man, right. if only they, you know, if only. But then again, he'll be done off off this deal in two years, so maybe they have another chance when he's like sort of hitting his prime, and it, that's in the future. But I think that that's just a um, that's one that I think stings a little bit. I think that one stings. Obviously, John Johnson was inevitable. But that that stings, I think, in terms of just that emotional leadership, and and um, I think he's in a great spot in Cleveland. But those two, those two, I think, are the ones that really um, we knew they were probably coming. I had reported Morgan Fox um, on what day is it? Thursday. I reported him on Tuesday night, and he was signed on Wednesday. Um, that they were probably not going to be able to keep him. The writing was sort of on the wall and then the Panthers swooped in. So I think that um, those are, those are the ones that kind of sting. Now there's some in interdivision guys now, right. Gerald Everett and Samson Ebucom who are both playing in division, but in terms of the potential of production, um, I think Morgan Fox is probably that one of like, ah, dang it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and good for him, by the way. I mean, two two years in Carolina, just over eight million dollars. I mean, this is a guy who's been toiling for a while. I mean, came up as a, a special teams guy, and you know, played his way into the rotation a little bit. Never made more than I, I think the most he's made is about eight hundred thousand dollars. So he never even got close uh, to to what he's doing now, and and that's fantastic. I mean, and that that's a good job by a team. Uh, looking, uh, you know, deep into a team and and not just looking at starters necessarily or the the big numbers because Morgan Fox can play and uh, I agree with you it's it's a little bit of a victim of of circumstance I, I I think he's a guy that the Rams would have loved to have bring back brought back but this is where you get into a little bit of that when you you know when you spend so much money on on your top players and and that's a strategy it's not a fault it's not a mistake or anything like that that's just the way that the Rams want to operate their cap right now is these are the kind of guys who you don't get to keep all the time because somebody yeah. else can give them a little bit more money um, that, than you can. So it's just the way it goes. Uh, it's not a surprise. It's not a necessarily a bad thing. Uh, they, they just have to now, you know, draft and develop the next Morgan Fox and, and then see uh, where, where that goes. But, but good for him. Guys worked really, really hard and, and yeah. he's going to get a shot. Uh, to to do some good things. So we'll see where that goes. We'll see where 
Uh, Troy Hill ends up. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be an interesting one to see what his uh, market is and, and what he ends up signing for, whether it's with the Rams or uh, with somebody else. But Jordan, you, we, you mentioned the restructures. Uh, this is all kind of old news now, but I guess the, the most notable one, since at least since we did our last podcast, is that Andrew Whitworth, what they mm-hmm. were able to uh, you know, come to some type of an agreement there that, that worked for both sides. So by all accounts, I have to say it's almost a certainty at this point that that he will be back in, in 2021. That, that had been uh, at least something of a question up until uh, the, the last week or so. Um, so that's good news for the Rams' uh, stability along that offensive line. And then the big one, Jordan, the one that we really haven't touched other than just kind of mentioning him briefly is Leonard Floyd coming back. And Good old Leonard. Yes. Got his money. Yeah, his money. no, I, I know. Great did, dude. Did, did, Great you, guy. did you get a couple Twitter mentions about this one, Jordan? <laughs> uh, four years, uh, $64 million. I know they're going to do some stuff with the, with the cap so that the, you know, the, the short-term cap hit is not uh, terribly, you know, high, prohibitive, that sort of thing. But uh, there was some reaction to this one, right? Yeah, and, and instantly <laughs> you see that and it was a a bigger number than I think many had projected. So I was thinking like f- maybe highest was 14 that he would get, right? But it's four years, 16 million per. It's not a real 16 million per, as we'll, we'll get into in a minute. But, um, you know, good guarantees for him. And there was some criticism of the Rams right after, of course, because I think there's that little like maybe stereotypical um precedent that they had set prior of giving the big contracts, um, overpaying. Um, in this case, it kind of, once the other uh, outside linebacker slash edge rusher started to materialize through the market, like I, I don't I don't think it was as bad as it first looked, um, especially once you saw like Trey Hendrickson with his, his injury history with is still somewhat of an unproven um, entity, even though he did have a great year last year, you sort of see the numbers that he got and you're like, okay, this wasn't, this wasn't that bad. Um, So, but, but in, in the instant of it, you're like, oh my God, that's like 3 million more a year than I, than I would have expected. And he was such a, like, he was a priority, which we had reported for many, many weeks, um, Retaining him as a priority was a priority for them. Was always a priority for them. If they could not retain him, because he did have other offers, um, he did have other teams that were interested, including um, the Giants were interested. Um, it sounds like the the Broncos were also interested, and that would have reunited him with Vic Fangio. Um, but they, the Rams, were adamantly wanting to keep him. They love Leonard Floyd. I've been trying to <laughs> been trying to tell you guys, yeah. <laughs> like. They really, really like Leonard Floyd. How could you not, though? I mean, he does. He's a complete defensive end. He fits exactly what they need from him on every down. He can defend the run. He's like gnarly physical against the run, and that really came on last year at the end of the year. Yeah. Um. He he's he's a smart player. Um. I I think back to how he defended Russell Wilson's pump fake. Yes, I know he Aaron Rodgers got him the next week. That's that's a very Aaron Rodgers thing is to see that he could defend it on film and then go and try it against him the next week. Um, but but he can he can stay on the field for all three um, all three downs. He can work in speed packages and power packages. He can set the edge. Um, he like superhuman efforts at times on goal line run run stopping, like which you can go back and and look 
all through 2020, uh, those highlights. I mean, he really came along into his own. And sometimes guys are late bloomers. Sometimes it's a scheme thing. Um, they're, they would like to keep maximizing Leonard Floyd in 2021, particularly that rhythm he's gotten into with Aaron Donald. If they can get two years of like minimum eight sacks a year, right. this contract looks freaking fantastic if they can get at least that much out of him for, for only the next two. And then there are ways to easily get out of it after two years. Right. So I think that um, in terms of the money too, it, it's really not too bad. It's it's like super easy to work with, first of all. And I think that's a big lesson that teams learn this year is if you're going to have extensions or new contracts, make them very simple to work with so that you can easily fit all of your math together just in case the priorly and previously unthinkable happens as it did this year. Um, yeah. So the 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 signing bonus was $14 million and the 2021 salary is only $2 million. Yeah. So because there's some carryover, his cap number is like around 5 million, I think, in 2021. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's phenomenal. And yeah, some of it's some of it's backloaded. The 16 and a half million is fully guaranteed in 2022. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of the way that they make up for the fact that his base is lower, um, and that he's got to send $14 million through the care, the California tax system, you know, <laughs> that's how you kind of, that's kind of how you make up for it. Right. So yeah. I think that, um, it's really not that bad after that. Uh, let me see, it gets to non-guaranteed, um, you know, there's, there's 32 and a half million that's fully guaranteed in total, but some of the 15 and a half in 2023, some of the 16 in 2024 are not. And then it's also, um, easy to cut at that point or easy to trade. So I, I think that that is like, it's just simple. It just, it puts a bow on it. I don't, when I saw the numbers of it, I don't mind it at all. I still was surprised I gave it a B grade mm -hmm. in my tracker just because the number, like the Rams could have maybe stayed at their number. The reason why it got pushed up was because of the New York Giants, right. was because of the Denver Broncos, and because they don't have any depth. <laughs> like, right, right. They they are, that's a concern. Um, that's That's definitely a concern. Yeah, that's uh, you. You took the words out of my mouth there. I mean, it, it, there's there's the matter of liking the player, which I think they certainly do, and then there's there's other factors that influence you a little bit. Having two teams right on your tail, where if you're if you're not going to give Leonard Floyd that money, then somebody else probably was going to. So you have to make that decision. Well, how much how much do we like this guy? And then yeah, it's it's other factors. It's it's Samson going to the 49ers and and taking. Although that wasn't a huge surprise that that he was probably going to walk. Uh, it still happened. Uh, and so you, you need to factor that in. Even a guy like Derek Rivers, like you said, I mean, there's a depth player who who goes out. And then Jordan, I look at, I don't, I don't want to be too, you know, hot takey here or anything, but you know, the Rams, uh -oh. the, the Rams <laughs> drafted Terrell Lewis last year and, and we all saw Terrell Lewis's game tape and our eyes, you know, kind of popped out of our heads and we went, Oh my goodness, this guy's a, you know, this guy, he's going to be a star and, and he's had trouble staying on the field. And we, we knew about his knee issues, you know, when he got drafted and, and unfortunately it still looks like something that needs to be managed. I have I have no idea what that means for him for 2021 or beyond, but it does look like it's it's an issue that that still needs to be 
you know, there's still some care to be taken there with his knee. So you look at that and you go, well, then then it becomes a matter of, yeah, maybe you don't want to pay uh, Leonard Floyd that much money, but mm-hmm. uh, what's your other options? I mean, you, you've got Oboe there, obviously, who's who's been uh, played well when he's had his opportunities. Uh, but but you don't have a lot of depth. I mean, Justin Lawler can can come off the edge there, uh, but there's not a lot there. So you're either looking at paying a guy who you already know and like, and who has had proven success playing next to Aaron Donald, and all the you know fit well within that defense for all the reasons that you just said. Or you can roll the dice again and and hope mm-hmm. that you can find somebody or hope that you can draft somebody. And I, I think, Jordan, I mean, you know, you and I have been saying it all along, and I think you were the first person to say it was, that's why you have to prioritize Leonard mm-hmm. Floyd. And and the other thing, the only other thing that I would add there is, is I think some people, and I, I understand this to an extent, who say like, well, why, you know, why did you pay all that money when you could have, you know, re-signed John Johnson? It it, it was not to me a Leonard Floyd or John Johnson no. discussion, and and I think that's that's important to note uh, for for various reasons. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. They like this player better than that player. It wasn't. Uh, that's more important than that. It's it that, that that was never the straight line comparison. So I I would caution people to, against thinking that just because they gave Leonard Floyd a little bit more money than maybe most people anticipated, that did not make the difference between them re-signing John Johnson. I, I don't think that A equals B in that scenario. No, it didn't at all because that's not what the equation was. They knew, they had already come to terms and knew that they were not going to be returning John Johnson. It wasn't a matter of trying to fit John Johnson under the salary cap. They already had come to terms with that, that they were not going to return him. If you can tell that they were at any team, anywhere, not just the Rams, if they don't extend you before your last season on your rookie deal happens, there's a, at least a 50-50 chance you're not coming back. And and they just there were not many talks through last spring and summer with John Johnson. And then you thought, well, maybe is the tag possible? And then then the news of the salary cap being shrunken comes in and you're like, no, it's just not going to happen. So in terms of factoring in their equation of getting under the cap and what can we do? It just it's and it's I'm not trying to sound harsh by saying it, but it was not mathematically. John Johnson was not factored in. Right. When it comes to Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd's contract is very interesting as it pertains to how it set up the entire rest of their restructure plan, which then had a domino effect with the Michael, like everything was connected. It then had a domino effect with the Michael Brockers trade. Everything in their spreadsheet was connected and it hinged on Leonard Floyd's contract. They had to know what his number was going to be before they could press the button on those restructures. They had to know um, how much money they were going to be paying him in that base salary and what his cap number specifically would be. Um, and I saw a lot of, of excitement. Um, and I, like, I really hate to like piss on anyone's Cheerios, but like, I, I saw a lot of excitement about on Twitter about, oh, well that, that contract, that front load, like is actually really, or that back load of the contract is actually really good. Like, well, we can go out and sign someone now because we have, we freed up space because, we are only paying him, you know, two million in base, and he's got five guarantee. You know, his cap number is like five million. Like we right. can go out and so that means we can we freed up uh, what like eleven million. We can go out and sign someone. Well, that's that's not how it worked when they did Leonard Floyd when they negotiated the terms with him. 
they were borrowing against money they didn't have. Right. Um, they're, they're, they were talking about financial concepts against stuff they did not have. They were operating within a deficit. So they had to get his number done to then know how much they could borrow from everyone else right. to get under the cap. It wasn't about, well, you got you got him down into 2 million base, so now you can go sign. It was, okay, you're, his number is five. His cap number is five. So now you only need, um, you know, 10 from Ramsey, eight from Cooper, six from Robert. Like that's, right. that's how it works. It wasn't, it wasn't a case of this happened. So now we can go sign someone. It all was mathematically like it had to balance out on the spreadsheet. And that was what the Leonard Floyd deal was. It wasn't, oh, good. We retained him and we did it in a way where we can now go sign someone else. It, it wasn't like that at all. So um, the other thing is uh, that you brought up that was really important was was the depth and, and having Terrell Lewis and where their options were um, it, as they evaluated. You know, I had in, during the season, I had an agent text me um, unaffiliated, like just apropos of nothing, right. like which I've never used before. So it was nice to say apropos of nothing yeah. just now. I've never actually like used that phrase out loud before. Um, had an agent text me and was like, oh, I see. Terrell Lewis is playing like this agent had evaluated. Um, they evaluate who their clients are going to be and they they read the, all the scouting reports. And this is when they figure out who they're going to sign. Mm-hmm. Well, this agent was like, uh, yeah, there, you know, there were some issues with the knee. Um, he's got a bum knee. Well, you know, and, and again, let's take that with a grain of salt. That's someone who didn't didn't end up signing him right. and and operates on a, you know, in a different space. And so that's that's it is what it is. But but right. there really is to me, I think, lingering concern over a prior injury and the smart thing to do to maximize his potential because I really think Terrell Lewis is like about as plug and play as it gets, especially so young. If you can manage his snaps efficiently, if you can have him on a pitch count, he can really produce for you. He did last year. They held him on a pitch count through the, the back half of the season and he he produced, and I think that that's a possibility with him. But you can't depend solely on that. So right. you need to probably draft somebody. The problem is this is not a good starter ready outside linebacker class. It's not a good pass rush class. So you know that you're already going to be drafting and developing. But it's actually an okay problem to have because if you have to develop a guy, you put him in situational reps, and you rotate him in with with Oboe. Um, with Justin Hollins, um, and you and you give them that that sort of rotation that not only helps the player develop, but also efficiently manages Terrell Lewis's snaps. Right. Well, Jordan, I mean, the one thing we can say is uh, the Rams definitely don't have any experience with uh, somebody in knee problems and and being opaque about their playing time. <laughs> I mean, How did I know you were going to do this? Yeah, How did I, mean, I know uh, you were going to bring this guy? I'm up? sure it'll be totally transparent <laughs> and uh, every everything will be explained in full uh, about Terrell Lewis's knee and how they are handling that situation. So I'm very excited to, to see how that presents itself over the next uh, few months. But um, being facetious, of course. But uh, Jordan, so speaking about explaining things, um, you're going to hear from, from Matthew Stafford tomorrow, Friday. He will be virtually introduced, uh, on, and uh, Sean McVay and and Les Snead will, will also talk finally um, to to beat reporters. Um, be nice uh, to. 
be nice to see Sean again. Haven't heard from that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always nice when you know when he shares information with the beat reporters. Um, but uh, what are you looking to hear from this Jordan? Anything in particular? I mean, we've we've known about this trade for a while. Um, we know what who Matthew Stafford is and and, and what he brings. Is, is there anything going in that that you're really looking forward to hearing either from from Stafford or from Sean or from Les uh, about this whole thing? Well, I am working on a Matthew Stafford story that I'm very excited about that I'm not going to share here. <laughs> um, oh. But but keep an eye out uh, in the next you know couple months. I'm hoping to have something that I'm very very excited about. But um, but in terms of the um, like. I think what we need to condense is like where where they still have to go. What still needs to happen? Uh, you know, we we have seen ten, basically ten years of Matthew Stafford and what he can do, and we also can project, I think, pretty accurately and logically that we also saw a blueprint for what this offense is going to look like when John Walford started that Week Seventeen game against the Cardinals. Minus the designed runs, because Sean McVay's regret over that was very was very obvious. Um, so you saw some of the out of structure work. You saw the the downfield passing game, um, which let's circle back on that at the end of this. At the end of this here, <laughs> Rich, if if you will, uh, if you will indulge me, let's of circle back on that. Um, but you know, you saw some of that stuff really work, and then you also saw, but but also you didn't have. Um, like the run game was not what we think it's going to be behind Kim Akers in 2021. So how all the pieces fit together and how all of um, all of the different schematic elements and the different player elements and how they all complement and fit together. Now, now is Matthew Stafford going to be able to answer that like right away? No. Right. Um, is he, do they want to answer that right away? No, because they don't want to give away what they're going to be doing. Right. But I am interested in poking around on some of those elements and some of the things that could look different, um, could look the same. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm also interested in, in how he troubleshoots and has dialogue with, um, Sean McVay through this process. Like I'm very mm. interested in Sean was adamant that he needed a deep self scout this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in, in what he learned about himself. I'm interested in what, what he saw um, knowing Sean, he could, if he chose to do so, give us extremely detailed specifics about um, where he needed to get better and where he thought he had, had maybe failed and, and could, could do better in the future. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm interested in, and, and I think, but, you know, introductory press conference, I would expect we're, we're going to cover a lot of the basics. How much did you pay John Walford for number nine? Um, <laughs> what, you know, what is it like for you and your family to be here? You know, how, what, who have you talked to and communicated with so far? It looks like he's been FaceTiming with, with Rams teammates and, and projecting what the potential is. I think it's, it's a, it's a time for, for hopefulness and projecting, what uh, the possibilities are and, and what that potential is. Um, but down the line, keep your eyes peeled, guys, because I'm kind of geeking out. So kind of geeking excited. out about this. Yeah, so. I mean, we'll, I know you've we'll, been... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it off air, Rich. Okay. I mean, I know you've been spending a lot of time working on the the new uniform that the Rams will be uh, introducing. Oh, I wouldn't dare cross over onto your feet <laughs> like that, Rich. Yeah, well, Jordan, it's 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 an interesting time for sure. And, it, and it's definitely not... We, we haven't reached an end point here. I think that should be clear. This, this is not the end of, of the offseason. We're just 
getting going here and there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, of factors still to come so so what what do we think here like what's what's the next biggest one or two things i mean what what are you going to be keeping your eye on here over over the next uh, week or maybe two weeks here yeah so my understanding of where they're at right now and even with that sort of safety valve that we mentioned at the top of this podcast with stafford's contract like the biggest priority is going to have to be figuring out what their plan is at center. And so over the next several days, that's going to be the number one priority is what can we do? What will we do? And hopefully not what we are forced to do. And so that's, that's going to be huge, whether it's Austin Blythe or, or someone else um, really have to really, really have to keep an eye on that. The other, the other part is we're starting to see more clearly where their priorities had been in terms of adding some of that vertical element and adding some complementary speed to their receivers room in general. Um, I'm going to go on a quick rumor busting rant. So buckle in, hold on to your butts. Um, First of all, (laughs) first of all, the Rams were not at all, even slightly involved in having conversations about a possible Zach Ertz trade. Uh, Saw that retweeted into my timeline at one point. That was not... Are you ever a thing that was never a thing oh um something else the rams also were not at all engaged in talks with marvin jones i know that he was a popular match um that should have been clear the second they announced that they were restru- or they didn't announce it but the second that you know we had found that they are restructuring cooper cup and robert woods you don't restructure a guy um, if they are in your longer term plans, again, covered that in that piece on Monday that's pinned to the top of my Twitter profile page. Um, they had done a restructure on a guy in the past who turned out to not be a part of their long term plans, and it bit them in the ass yeah. in terms of dead money. I remember that. Uh, a Mr. Jared Goff, yeah. <laughs> if one recalls. Um, and so they were not going to do that a second time around if the guys were not in their longer term plans. Um, that being said, the target distribution to a potential vertical threat, which they definitely will be adding some speed, a speed element in some way, um, and and they like a couple of guys for a variety of complementary things, such as rebounding, contested catches. Um, we have to see how Bryson Hopkins is doing, um, mm. potentially tight end number two. Um, he was very good at that in high, in excuse me in college. He is a former basketball player. So when Les Snead was talking about contested catches and and bringing up tight ends who can go up and get the ball and and do some freaky things um, on the field, like that was the first name that came to my mind was our very own player X, Bryson Hopkins. Um, They were not going to add Marvin Jones. They were not going to try to add Kenny Galladay. Like this is this is something where they don't multiple sources around the league, not, you know, not just sources um, in the building, multiple sources around the league have an understanding of where each other at all other teams are at and where, where everyone's at. And it does not seem like splash moves in terms of big signings. Anything else is on the way. They did theirs. They got Matthew Stafford. They did, they did what they had to do, but now it's about complementing and filling in pieces um, around. And so those sort of like just wanted to go on a quick little rumor busting rant yeah. in that regard. Now it's still, a, I think would still be a priority, a secondary priority to retaining some sort of a plan at center, um, but still a priority. Nonetheless, there are some real speed demons in this year's draft. 
Um, the snaps will be limited for a true vertical threat. So I expect them to add complementary layers using their tight ends um, right. instead of just going all out go routes for one player 12 times a game. I think that you're going to see a variety of things. <laughs> um, so that plan will be continuing to unfold. And, and Rich, what, what do you think in terms of, of prioritizing? And I know that even on the defense, they're not quite done yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what happens there. I'm still looking at that the linebacker position. I maybe there's there's an ability that you know I've I've had this stuck in my in my cheek for a year now about inside linebacker and whether or not there's ability to 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 make a move there. Maybe maybe it ends up being the draft. I, I still think that's something. Uh, that, that they should address. And then one thing that's kind of low-key, although it's right in our wheelhouse, Jordan, is is special teams and, and still that need to address um, maybe the return situation. They also need a long snapper now, it, it, at least to, to identify one or name one with, with Jake McQuaid being out. But what do you do with that returner position? Do, do you give it to, do you give Simba Webster another shot? Do you look to sign uh, somebody who maybe even could have a crossover with exactly what you were just talking about there with some of the receiver skills, or do you look to the draft? So small, small thing, not certainly not as big as the, as the ones that you were just talking about there, Jordan, but certainly uh, elements that, that will have to be addressed uh, sooner rather than later. So really, really interested to see what happens there. And, and we'll be back with everybody throughout the offseason. Like I said, we're, we're just getting started here. There's so much to discuss and, you know, how this offense is going to look with, with Matthew Stafford and the changes that are going to be coming on defense. I mean, this is really fascinating offseason. So I know Jordan and I are excited to be able to bring that to you. And of course, we're in March, which means March Madness. And the Athletics College Basketball Crew is going to bring you a new show called The Ding You, presented by BetMGM. They're going to cover all of the action, both on the court and at the sports book, grabbing insight from the Athletics College Basketball writers and picking the brain of BetMGM's top bookmakers. Join them for the second round discussion, which is going to happen on Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific on the Daily Ding feed and streaming on the Athletics YouTube channel. Those games are starting up today, Thursday afternoon. UCLA is playing. USC's in the uh, got a six seed. Jordan, I've been doing these brackets since I was like in high school, and I don't think I've ever made a dollar. Are you are you a bracket person, or do you let Tucker make do? People let their pets do do picks. Maybe Tucker could fill out a bracket. You know, that'd probably be the one that I'd go for. I um I used to do brackets back when I was in you know in in high school. It's just you know kind of a fun thing to do. Right. I have not done one in years. Um, one thing I think that is going to be. Uh, a yearly tradition that maybe we could do less of is brackets about um, like best pop song bracket. I knew or you were going to say that. Food, like I'd do a food bracket as long as I could freaking eat it. Okay. Like <laughs> give me an edible. Fo- I'll do an edible food bracket. You give me that and I'll be into the bracket situation. Maybe we could do a best Rams jersey uh, bracket. What do you, what I'll you, leave that to you, Rich. Right. I, uh, I I try to stay away from uh, from from the uniform beat, just out of respect and deference to you. Oh, and I appreciate much, that. Your Jordan. much deeper experience and knowledge of the situation. I, I appreciate that. Well, I I defer to you on pretty much every other topic <laughs> involving the Rams, and it's definitely uh, worth noting that uh, Jordan has been producing so much outstanding work here. 
um, throughout her almost year now, Jordan. We're getting close to a year, aren't we? I oh didn't my God, we that. are. It's all actually been the same year, just repeating every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, it's um, been. But so not only throughout the year, but especially here over the last uh, few weeks. I mean, there's so much content on the Athletic app and website. So we really appreciate all of our subscribers. And Jordan, of course, if you're not already a subscriber, you can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And what, what can you get there? A discount. So this is pretty great. There's actually a double discount happening right now. So you can get 50% off a full year if you sign up for the 11 personnel, or excuse me, if you sign up to The Athletic through the 11 personnel podcast a year later. I still can't say that right the first time all the way through. Um, But it's just because I'm so excited about this deal. So you can also, if you subscribe through any of our um, NFL content, um, you can also get six months uh, of The Athletic for a dollar a month. That is insane. That's $6. (laughs) Math. I could do math. Can't can't balance a, a salary cap probably, but I could definitely do this math. $6 $6 for six months um, if you sign up through one of our, our prompts um, over on The Athletic NF- the NFL. Please sign up through one of my pages. I would really appreciate that. That would be awesome. Makes me look good. Um, and don't forget to give us a, a rating and, and um, give us a, a little bit of a feedback or a comment over on our podcast page. Um, anywhere you get your podcast, we really love reading what you guys have to say. Um, some of them make me laugh so hard. Um, <laughs> there have been some really, really good ones. So we read everything. Um, we love you guys. Thanks to everybody who has been asking us um, for this podcast this week. It really does make us feel really special. Um, and we uh, will see you next time. <laughs>